I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. And this is our Fantasy Stockwatch episode ahead of preseason week two. We're going to talk about everyone who's rising, who's fallen in our ranks after a week of preseason, and also uh, some free agency moves as well. Here to break it down with me, one of the top rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up? Uh, Definitely had an exciting week one of preseason. Uh, Had a blast going to the Battle of L.A., uh, with you, you know, we, we lost some bets on that game, but no big deal. Um, but yeah, how about you? Yeah, man, I'm hyped. You know, Dalvin Cook is finally has a, uh, uh, signed to a team, finally. which I've been waiting for. Zeke signed <laughs> to a team. So yep. we got a lot to talk about. And yeah, that that uh, Rams Chargers preseason game, I think what have 51 points in total yeah. or something like that? 54 points, yeah. something like that. Stenson yeah, Bennett, so uh, you know, looked pretty Stenson good. Stenson Bennett was balling. We saw Quentin <laughs> Johnson catch a tutty. Yeah. Uh, who else do we see? Yeah, Easton Stick. Josh that he didn't Kelly. Do much, but <laughs> Josh Kelly just balling out. And that dude Dotson with the, with two touchdowns. Yeah, yep, yeah, man. So, uh, but let's get into uh, let's get into all of our risers and fallers. We're gonna start with the risers, and these are just gonna be guys who, whether it's because of preseason, whether it's because of moves their team made, or, or you know, depth chart announcements, or whatever, uh, their stock is rising uh, as we end the uh, first week of preseason and head into week two. Uh, So I guess we should start with some quarterbacks. And the first one, Anthony Richardson, you know, we saw him play a few snaps in, uh, in week one, but now we're seeing that he's been named the week one starter by Shane Steichen, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that's what we all wanted to hear because, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, him starting in, an unknown time between, you know, week two and week eight, say, and him getting that week <laughs> yeah. one start, it, it significantly raises his upside. What do you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, we'll see his ADP definitely get to like QB 12, maybe QB 11. But, um, you know, I, I was waiting for this news. Um, so I was trying to get as much as possible before it happened. And I was shocked that they announced it so soon. Um, you know, I thought he looked good. He had that really ugly interception, but I think the receiver ran the wrong route. Um, mm-hmm. and Richardson just kind of improvised in the wrong way and threw a pick there. But other than that, I thought Richardson flashed, you know, a lot of the upside he has. Um, Alec Pierce dropped a couple of balls that he probably should have had. So Richardson almost had a really, really good performance, but it was overshadowed by that interception. So I think that's what 
the coaching staff was looking for. So um, it's good to see that he was announced as the week one starter. Now we can project him, you know, for more than 14 games this year. So, yeah, I think that's we were waiting for this and his stock definitely goes up after that. Yeah, the final numbers, you're right. They don't look too impressive. Just uh, 7 of 12 for 67 yards with the pick. But, uh, yeah, didn't look too bad out there. And now this just kind of removes probably some of the mental stuff going on with, you know, worrying about, you mm. know, whether you're going to start or not. You know, he could he could just prepare like he normally would, like an, any NFL veteran would uh, for week one. So I think this is good. Yeah. And, and, and Minshew, you know, he's a, he's a pro. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be uh, helping him out with the clipboard and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I think, yeah, top 12 quarterback, Anthony Richardson, yeah. uh, based on this news. Now, I, I know you saw some things watching a, a couple of these second-year quarterbacks uh, in their first preseason game. Uh, let's start with uh, Kenny Pickett. What would you see? Yeah, no, so he was pretty much flawless on his uh, only drive um, in the, the Steelers opener. Uh, went six of seven for seven yards and a touchdown uh, to Pickens. He made a great throw to Pickens on that slant. And then Pickens, you know, picked up the next 15 yards or so on a great juke move. So a lot of that had to do with Pickens. But that's the thing with Pickett. He has just so much talent around him. You know, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth. So he was the guy that, you know, I, I just really wanted to see some growth in year two to really feel confident about him and the rest of the pass catchers. And I did see that. Obviously, it's a little limited sample size. We're not overreacting here, but he did look a lot better than he did as a rookie. Um, so I think that's huge. And then there's a chance, you know, Calvin Austin's look great uh, in camp and in limited action. And Darnell Washington has some upside. So uh, even Allen Robinson might do something this year. So he has a lot of talent no, around him. Absolutely not. Absolutely Obviously, not. he's not. Let's, not, but let's, he, not, let's not even go down this road. Every already, preseason, we do this with these big wash dudes. Let's just not even go down this road. It's all it's about potential. Calvin Austin. He doesn't even we're not, need We're not even going to get in the listeners' uh, minds that they should even think well, about the, Allen Robinson. Let's the good thing is... Out, out, out with A-Rob. That's totally fine with me. The good thing <laughs> is he doesn't need A-Rob. Um, exactly. So either way... Like, this gives me a little bit more confidence, maybe pushing him closer to my top 20. Uh, but still, there's a lot, of, a lot of preseason left. He could look really bad next week, but I was very encouraged with what I saw uh, in his first drive of, you know, 2023. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, I, it's not a guy I had written down, but I, I think one of the takeaways, too, is just, just do George Pickens. I, I'm so going to break out this year, man. Like, he's just – that's why I, I think I was – we were talking earlier, and I was saying, you know, I'm a little lower on Deontay just because I think George Pickens is going to see – like, he's going to command a lot more targets per route this year. He's not just going to be, like, a one-trick pony sideline kind of deep yeah. route, uh, low percentage guy. So, but, yeah, you're, you're starting to see that already. I just think George Pickens – like there's a there's a very good chance that that he could just flat out lead Pittsburgh uh, oh, over yeah, Deontay sure. this year. Yeah, so so now yeah, some, a lot of those highlight reel catches we've been seeing in training camp, he was obviously pushing off. Like <laughs> he's getting mm-hmm. yeah, right. good flag for a lot of offensive PI, but just love the the aggression and that touchdown catch and run was like it was a great throw by Pickett. But you know Pickens was really good after the catch. Like he's going to be really good near two. And the only thing really holding him back, I thought, was Pickett. So. Um, just Pickett's stock going up only helps someone like Pickens. Yeah, I mean, really, I think what we have to be concerned about with the Steelers' offense is Matt Canada and, yeah. I guess, by extent, just Mike Tomlin because, really, you know, he's kind of made it known that he wants to run a conservative 
offense where, you know, they kind of rely on the defense. And that's kind of what's been winning for Tom Wynn all these years. So I don't, I get why he's not really, uh, you know, too quick to, to kind of go against that. But that's probably going to hold the yeah. Steeler offense back more than talent, I would say. You know, I think I think there's enough talent at the skill positions for Pickett to, to succeed. Uh, and then Sam Howell, here's a guy who, you know, looking at Washington – it, you know, their offensive line lacks depth, but they, they do have a solid left tackle in Leno and they have, you know, two good receivers in, in Terry McLaurin and John yep. Dotson. Uh, what did you see out of Sam Howell in week one of the preseason? Yeah, I was very encouraged by his preseason debut as well. Uh, he went nine for 12 for 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and he was facing the Browns starting defense. You know, some of these teams are playing all backups to start. So it's worth pointing out he was facing a first string defense. Uh, he had a nice eight yard scramble on third and six, um, you know, just flashing his sneaky rushing upside. Like I wish you saw more than one game from him last year. Uh, he looked really good uh, in that game, but I think he's, he's kind of a, a sneaky year two player. And, you know, one of his three incompletions was to John Bates who dropped just a wide open, 15 yard catch. So he could have had an even bigger day, but at the end of the day, it was encouraging for Howell. And then also for Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, like they need Howell to be good this year. Um, so it was very encouraging for Howell and it helped me, you know, be a little bit more comfortable drafting McLaurin and Dotson where they're going right now. Yeah. You know, I think, I think those two, like Dotson averaged about 69 yards over the past, over his final five games last year. So I think he's poised to break out. Um, and, and those two guys are, I think they're going to command a big share of the targets. I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a little bit less of a part. Uh, and I also think, uh, Cole Turner may, uh, may mm-hmm. end up overtaking, uh, Logan Thomas at some point. I, I know Thomas yeah. is hurt and he, he's not playing, but it seems you know, Turner seems to have jumped Bates, who I think started a couple years ago when Thomas was out, but, uh, Turner seems to be the guy they're really trying to get, uh, more involved. So that's yeah, also they- something I'm watching. For Bates ain't it. He dropped that wide He's open fifteen yard catch. He ain't it. Yeah, Cole Turner's definitely trending up and uh could be their week one starter. Yeah. Ultimately I think it really as the season progresses, it's gonna be about the the O line depth and how that O line holds up because mm-hmm. Howell's still prone to take a lot of sacks. And I think, you know, new scheme, um yeah. probably a little more aggressive. I just I see a lot of mistakes. Um, being made by how you know so he's got to be able to kind of overcome those with enough you know deep completions yeah. to uh to Dotson and to um, McLaurin yeah. but, but uh let's go to the running back position and uh you uh liked uh what you saw out of uh James Cook of the Buffalo Bills a guy I've been high on you know growing higher mm-hmm. and higher on as well as the uh offseason has progressed yeah, I mean, he didn't do much in this game. He had four carries for 20 yards, had a nice eight-yard touchdown run. Um, but the, the theme with Cook all training camp has been he's just looking more and more like a true three-down back than maybe we anticipated. Um, so that was just encouraging to see, you know, just him getting that eight-yard touchdown run. If he's going to be involved in the red zone near the goal line, um, we already know he's a good pass-catching back. Like, he's going to be getting more of these high-value touches than I expected. Um, but it's just been very encouraging because last year I kept waiting for him to break out with Devin Singletary there. Uh, but it does look like this is the year that they want to unleash James Cook. Um, and in this offense, you know, he, he definitely has high end RB2 upside um, if he can see all that, you know, 
passing down work and potentially goal line work. So been very encouraged with the the early start with uh, James Cook. Yeah, and I mean, I know he didn't. He had a rough start to last season, but when it was all said and done, he ended up, you know, averaging uh, well over five yards per carry. Yeah. in the regular season, uh, three yards per carry after contact, uh, according to PFF, mm-hmm. which uh, is very good. So, yeah, I, I've liked what I see, have seen with Cook, and I think another positive is Dalvin Cook has a team now. Ezekiel Elliott has mm. a team now. You know, Kareem Hunt's still floating out there, but there seem to be less and less guys that, you know, Buffalo is going to end up signing now that would, you know, really change the pecking order in this backfield. I think the bigger battle now with Damian Harris kind of struggling through some injuries is, you know, can Latavius Murray take, you know, overtake Harris, uh, which is is, uh, not out of the question, just given Harris's struggles with uh, to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Tank Bigsby, he was a guy that uh, I liked what I saw. He had a 34-yard run against the Cowboys. And something I noticed with Bigsby was even ahead of the first preseason game when they released their official, unofficial depth chart. I don't even know what that means at this point. But uh, he was already listed ahead of Michael <laughs> Hasty as the RB2. Now, I, I oh, believe yeah. I saw Hasty take the field before Bigsby and, you know, pay, play a couple pass downs. But... Bigsby, you know, got some work, nine carries, 52 yards. Uh, you know, he only had a couple of pass blocking snaps, but uh, it's the preseason, so not many pass blocking snaps to go around. Of the 70 running backs with multiple pass blocking snaps this preseason, uh, Bigsby graded top 10. So nice. he, he looked good on his in his limited action, um, and, and I think Jacksonville is really considering giving him that RB2 role sooner than later, probably as soon as week one, which is kind of what I think you and I both uh, predicted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, you know he he would be a good goal line back, um, and they did give him um, both goal line looks um, in this game. Unfortunately, he didn't convert either one, um, so that would have been nice to see him convert one of those. But I do think they envision him as more of a goal line back than ETN. Um, so that's that's another way I think he can offer some value even when ETN's healthy. But if ETN were to miss time, I think Bixby would be a lock for at least, you know, low-end RB2 type value. So he's one of my favorite uh, backups heading into the season. Speaking of backups, you know, (laughs) I think everyone thought Kenneth Gainwell was going to be a backup, maybe even a third string. But he got – him and Boston Scott both uh, were held out of the first preseason game with uh, Sirianni saying – you know, he he did say he wants to get all the backs uh, Mm -hmm. some hits. So he'll probably hold out Penny and – um and Swift in the next one and play Gainwell and Scott. But either way, it looks like Gainwell is going to be a lot more of kind of an equal in this rotation than maybe initially thought. What are your uh, – how are your projections on Gainwell kind of changing as this offseason has progressed? Yeah, so I definitely gave him a slight bump just because, you know, he got the starter treatment in week one. You know, he didn't play a single snap. Um, You know, it could be due to just – Swift and Penny are, this is a new team for them, new scheme. So maybe they just wanted them to get work. Um, I, I do think this might get overblown. Like if Gainwell's ADP goes too high, um, I, I'm not going to be interested in investing in him specifically. This is just a backfield that could be just a committee mess <laughs> until mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. we get more clarity or someone goes down. Uh, but if, if anything, just be careful drafting DeAndre Swift. I kind of already was. Um, and Rashad Penny like this is just a backfield to be careful of um, not that we want to ignore it necessarily but just understand it's gonna be very volatile probably week to week so while 
Gainwell looks like he might have an edge right now as the week one starter. You know, it, it's going to be a situation throughout the season. So I gave him a slight bump, but, you know, I, I wouldn't overdo it with him. This is going to be a very volatile backfield. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Gainwell is going to be the week one starter. From what I understand, it was just that, you know, Penny, they wanted to get a lot of action just because he only played a few games last year. He got hurt. Right. And then Swift, they wanted to showcase him with the new team. Uh, they want to get all the running backs hits before week one. So they said, like, Scott and, and Gainwell will play next week. Um, so it seems like it's going to kind of be similar to last year where it's, you know, there's there's going to be, like, remember toward the postseason when it started getting less and less predictable and, like, we kept waiting for Miles Sanders to bounce back and he never really fully did. I think that's how it's going to kind of be. I, I still think Swift is going to lead that backfield because – um, you know, he just looks the best. And I think, you know, I think they're the most excited about him, but I do think yeah. Gainwell is probably going to get a few more early down carries than uh, I think people expected. So, exactly. uh, you know, that, that, that's something to kind of factor in, but yeah. And I don't think there's really going to be a rhyme or reason to it either. Like uh, I think, you know, it kind of reminds me of the Patriots when they had like Dion Lewis and like all these guys and Burkhead, they were just like, whoever's in the game, just hand the ball to him, no matter red zone, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, that's how it's going to kind of be with, with Swift, I think taking a, you know, center stage when it comes to some passing downs. Uh, but overall, yeah, I think it's going to be a th- at least a three-way committee, uh, in Philadelphia. Right. So yeah, just yeah, with, kinda, with, also kinda, with Gainwell, there was, there was a lot of smoke, uh, leading up to the, this game where, you know, the beat reporters were saying Gainwell was getting the most reps, um, with the starters, mm-hmm. yep. um, and getting the most touches. So Having that and then paired with, okay, now he's sitting out week one. That's kind of, you know, a double whammy for me. So it it's hard to, you know, take the beat reports too seriously with camp. You, you don't know the context of things. But when you pair that with, like, not playing at all in week one, uh, that definitely warrants uh, a slight boost. But at the end of the day, this is still a backfield that's very dicey. Yeah. And I mean, at least like Sirianni is like explaining it to us. Like it's, yeah. it would be different if like <laughs> exactly. he didn't, he didn't address it at all, but he was like, you know what? Like I definitely, there was a reason I played Penny right. and uh, Swift and, and rested Scott and game. What I think, you know, cause I keep hearing uh, rumors of like Trey Sermon might make the team over Scott, which mm-hmm. that's probably not true. Cause like they probably wouldn't have held out Scott if for that. And Scott also has the most guaranteed money of anybody yeah. in the backfield. Funny enough. But, uh, yeah, the Philly backfield, it, it will probably be a headache, but a uh, good headache because great offensive line and uh, 32 rushing touchdowns for Philadelphia uh, a season ago. Though I do think that is going to kind of even out. I think Jalen Hurts uh, is going to make mm-hmm. his MVP push uh, again this year. Um, Jalen Warren, uh, you know, guy, another guy we both liked. Uh, what what kind of transpired with, uh, with him in week one? Uh, just not too shocking. Uh, he mixed in. Pretty heavily with Najee Harris. Um, saw a first and 10 run. Um, and then Najee came in after that. So they, they were rotating in and out sort of like a 50-50 committee. And, you know, we're not going to overreact to that week one of the preseason. But that's kind of what I expected going into the season. You know, just looking at my um, expected yards per attempt model from last year, Jalen Warren was top 10 and Najee Harris was bottom 10. It just, it always looked like Warren was the more explosive back, the more efficient back. So. I just think his role could grow this year. So, you know, he's being drafted still like, you know, running back 47, which, you know, he should be able to beat that easily, even if Najee's healthy all 17 games. But, you know, he also has RB2 upside. So just seeing that kind of usage, seeing how he looks 
um, just sort of, um, you know, solidified my priors heading into the season that Warren is one of the best backups to uh, be drafting right now. Yeah, and Najee, he hasn't missed a game so far. So, like, at some point, something's got to give. Like, run, it's hard for running backs to continue yeah. go, like, season after season after season. But he's, that's because he's tough. He, he was playing through that foot injury last year. Yep. Like, he, he's just, you know, a baller. But, yeah, that that's something that, you know, he, he hasn't been able to have a spot start yet. So, that could change this year. But either way, at times, he does look like the better back of the two. Yeah. And this is a situation to monitor because there's a lot of moving parts. Like, I think the more confidence Pickett inspires, the more they Mm -hmm. may be willing to go away from that run-heavy script, which could end up hurting Najee and Warren. Uh, And then you also have McFarland uh, having a pretty good camp, and he adds a whole different element. So, like, I I do worry about that a little bit. Like, if, you know, if he's kind of giving them a whole different element, he might work in too, which, Mm -hmm. you know, could squeeze both of them a little bit too. So... Still a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I'm I'm encouraged by uh, what I what I've seen from uh, from Jalen Warren. Always liked him as a as a player. Was on him last year, you know. All, like mm-hmm. was like the minute I saw him play, I was yeah. like, he's winning the job over over Benny Snell. Like it's it, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that Titan game was a it was pretty wild. <laughs> Titans Bears. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, you had DJ mm-hmm. Moore just scooting on the first his first oh, touch. It was amazing. Uh, you had like I think there was one quarter where there Dolph. was like six or seven turnovers. Oh yeah, no, it was okay. <laughs> I, I, I had a lie bet on that game, uh, but Khalil Herbert also had a long yep. touchdown as well. So yep, that was good to see. Uh, but yeah, that that game, uh, yeah, <laughs> something else. So the guy I want to talk about, and Herbert, I mean, it's probably fair to say his stock rises a little bit. I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you have a long touchdown run, I mean, I think that's a good sign. But the, the Titans backfield behind Derrick Henry is interesting because Henry gets so many carries that if he ever got hurt, there would be so many carries up for grabs. Uh, Tajay Spears, the rookie, uh, what did you see from him? Yeah, he looked great. And, um, you know, I, I think that he seems to be the favorite to be, you know, Derrick Henry's backup. And like I said, he could take over that third down role um, that we saw like Dontre Hilliard, Jerry mm-hmm. McNichols had, you know, the past couple seasons. Um, and you know, they drafted him in the third round knowing, um, you know, he doesn't have an ACL and he has arthritis in one of his knees. And like I've said, I don't, that doesn't have anything to do with his value this season. I think he's going to be really good in the first few years of his career. He was one of my favorite backs in this class. Um, I think that I don't see him playing, you know, into his late twenties. That's basically what his medical history suggests is, you know, he's not going to have a long career. But he's going to be very good in the few years he does play. So he's a back where, you know, if, if Derrick Henry were to go down or potentially, I don't know, traded in season, um, you know, he could offer RB2 value. So uh, I was just impressed to see him at the NFL level. And I, I think he is making a good case for the backup, especially with, you know, Haskins dealing with some legal issues and things like that, where I think, you know, Spears um, is definitely the best uh, back on the roster outside of Derrick Henry, obviously. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, 
the calm. Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Uh, we don't have this guy written down. I uh, totally agree on Spears. But we, and we don't have this guy written down, but in the same game, Mm-hmm. I do want to touch on Rashawn Johnson, Roshan Johnson, yeah. uh, the rookie for Chicago, because he uh, got 12 carries, turned him into 47 yards, also caught a couple balls. Uh, just any thoughts on, on him? You know, he missed, forced, I think, four missed tackles. Um, any, any thoughts? Do you think he helped or hurt his case at all uh, with his performance? I think he helped it. I, I love him as a talent. You know, it was unfortunate he had to back up Bijan at Texas, but that just means he doesn't have much tread on his tires as a rookie. So um, he is more than capable of being a workhorse back. Um, I think he's more in competition with uh, Deontay Foreman. I think Deontay Foreman is there just as sort of like a safety net in case Herbert and Johnson kind of struggle this year. At least they have Foreman. But I think Johnson could absolutely, you know, push for the number two role or even overtake Herbert. Like he's that good. So I think it is going to be a pretty volatile backfield. Um, but I was definitely encouraged with Johnson's debut, but I've always thought, you know, he's, he's a really good talent. So maybe he's more on, he's on more people's radar now. So his ADP might go up, but you know, it was pretty much what I expected from him. Yeah. And this, this backfield is another one with, there's a lot of moving parts because I, I suspect that this could be a team that, has four running backs active on game day. You know, they have a fullback uh, in Blazin game. And then they also have like Travis Homer and Treston Ebner, who I feel like are competing for a similar role, like special teams, hurry up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, you know, if if, though, if one of those two guys is going to be active on game day, then it's possible that Rashawn, Roshan and uh, Foreman are kind of competing for one role. And yep. one or, one of them could be a healthy scratch uh you know each each sundays or each each week so there's still yeah. a lot to kind of figure out here um so that's one where i'll definitely be kind of paying attention to the beat writers and you know yeah. what's going on in practice and, and things like that but yeah i thought i thought roshan looked uh looked pretty good uh another guy we didn't have written down but i, I do want to mention before we move on from running backs is uh ty chandler uh for minnesota oh, yeah. you know he you know mcbride is the rookie and it just seems like it hasn't been going well for him in camp. Uh, apparently this offense is even for running backs is, is somewhat complex. So, you know, Chandler and Wangu have the the leg up, but Chandler's the one who, you know, got, you know, double digit carries, averaged a, a pretty good amount after contact, looked pretty good. Uh, any thoughts, any thoughts on, on what you saw from him and that's the game against Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. I liked him. I had the over on his player pick. Um, and, you know, I, I think that <laughs> he could, he could sneak in uh, as like the third down back, like there's a path for him to have value even when Madison is healthy. And I, look, I think this backfield's pretty volatile. I don't think Madison's a lock for the starting job all season. Um, and Chandler does have that upside to be, you know, a true three down back. Uh, and yeah, Dwayne McBride, you know, he, he's more of like Alexander Madison's direct replacement. I view him as more of a early down grinder. So I, I just don't see him factoring in on third downs much. So I think Chandler has a path um, for value, even when Madison is healthy. So I, I was encouraged by what I saw. He does have that kind of upside. So it's nice to see it coming together. But this this backfield, like definitely 
investing in these backups, I think late in drafts is, you know, a sharp thing to do. And I think right now Chandler is the favorite to be the number two back. I'm actually a lot more confident in Madison than I think the consensus is. Mm. I From everything I'm hearing and, and see it, I, I think Minnesota does intend to give Madison the job for the entire year. And I think they intend to treat him like Dalvin Cook. I think if they're bringing in another back, it's to play the Madison role from last year where it was like 25% of the snaps, which was less than we expected, to be frank. You know, we probably mm-hmm. thought he was going to get more like 30, 35, maybe even 40%. But he was more of like a strict to like 25% guy, played a little more in the past game than we thought he would. But I think that's – if they don't sign a guy like Kareem Hunt to do that, I think – you're going to see probably Chandler just be the Madison of last year and Madison be the cook. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, the way Kevin O'Connell, you know, from what I know about him, I, I think he, I think he's going to just like hammer his starters. Like, I think they're, I think they're just mm-hmm. going to use Madison all year, run him into the ground, maybe this year and next, and then figure it out from there. But yeah, I know a lot of people are kind of worried about Madison, but uh, I'm, I'm really not, I don't think he's the, like, I don't think he's an amazing running back, but I think, right. I think he's definitely, <laughs> got enough especially in that offense um where to where he's not going to get himself benched or anything like that like i think right. i don't i don't think anyone's going to overtake cuz from what i hear like chandler and mcbride and, and wangu were pretty far behind madison it's just that chandler has now separated from the other guys but i still think there's a pretty big uh gap uh okay so those are the running backs uh let's see what let's go to wide receivers i mean i, I we gotta start with tank dell right like oh. he, I, i'm already convinced that he's the best receiver <laughs> on the texans I, I i saw all i needed to see like this dude got targeted six times on 19 routes caught five for 65 and a pretty wild touchdown catch um, and you know, obviously you don't want to overreact to preseason, but this is one of those situations where I think there's something to gain by kind of being a little risky, you know, because we don't really know how that Texans, uh, target share is going to break down and there might not be room for more than one, uh, guy on, you know, to, to, to be a, a fantasy relevant guy. And if I had to pick one at this point, I would probably go tank Dell. If you asked me like a week or two ago, it'd probably be Nico Collins, but I just feel like the the style of receiver that Dell is you can move him around he's going to get open more and and you know Nico had like a 22% target per route last year but that doesn't really fit the kind of receiver he is I think that was more due to the fact that Cooks was missing time and you know they didn't really have much of tight end so yeah I, I think Tank Dell his stock goes way up for me I thought mm-hmm. he was going to be like a, a ga- I think we both talked about this like you you loved him as like a high upside gadget guy but we, I don't think mm-hmm. either of us thought that he like he might be in the conversation to start and we or and or lead this team at targets yeah for sure this is a wide receiver of the room that's wide open um liked what I saw that that's kind of what I was expecting from him uh you know really good yak kind of player yep. but that uh that touchdown potential touchdown catch was amazing like He's a good receiver. I think that he will have to compete with Robert Woods and John Mechie early in the season, whereas Nico Collins doesn't really have any competition no. for like a big outside receiver. That's that's why I still think Nico Collins is probably the favorite to lead the team in fancy points this year. But Tank Dell has some serious upside. So, yeah, loved what I saw. Uh, I think when he was getting most of his catches, that's when some of the starters were out of the game. But either way, just massive upside because – there's no clear number one target in this offense. Even Dalton Schultz, I don't think, is a lock to be, you know, a top two target or anything. So, yeah, very encouraged with what I saw from Tank Dell early on. Yeah, and some some of it is just like, especially I've learned in situations like this, like I remember 
uh, it was a couple years ago, and it was Terry, uh, 2019, so it was Terry McLaurin's rookie year. And mm. I remember he didn't – I don't even know if he played much in the preseason. He might have even missed, like, the first game of the regular season. But I just remember thinking, like, there's nobody really better um, than him on Washington. Like, I think they had uh, Kelvin <laughs> right. Harmon at the time. And, and oh, you know, and, and the same thing with Marquise Whew. Brown on the Ravens that year. You know, like, when, when you know a guy is good and, like, you oh. watched him play, whether it's at college or in the pros, like, you could just kind of picture him. Like, if you put every Houston receiver on the field together, like Nico Woods, Schultz, yeah. uh, like wh- whoever you want uh, for like Mechie, like who and Dell, like who's getting the most targets? Like my money would be on Dell. Like starters, reserves, doesn't matter. I just think he could he would get open more than those guys. Yeah, he's uh, he's very talented. I think John Mechie is the only one that like had a first round type pedigree. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't play much. I think they are easing him in, him in, but he he has a ton of upside. Uh, as well, I think what we're trying to say is don't drop draft uh, Robert Woods anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we were, but yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, I, I'm. A, I really this it definitely does worry me about Nico a little bit, just because I don't think the mm. the environment is going to be the same as last year. Like right. even if like Nico, even if Dell, you know, and Nico can coexist, like there still are all these other guys, like you said, Mechie's still there, and Schultz is going to, you know, like it's just. I don't love the environment anymore for Nico the way I did, you know, with, with another receiver kind of flashing. Like I liked it better when you just had like washed Robert Woods and like met you, who is kind of a guy who's probably going to be, you know, brought, eased in and, you know, who, he went through a lot. So I'm rooting for the guy, but you yeah. know, who knows exactly where he is. Cause I, I heard he's having somewhat of a rough camp. Like I know Dell is definitely kind of beating him out so far. So, you know, um, yeah, so Nico, I, I I'm a little worried about Nico is, is what I'm saying, and I'm I'm raising Tank Dell up a, a lot. Yep, makes sense. Uh, another guy at wide receiver that that we both like, Jahan Dotson. I mean, not much to say here. The guy, yeah. the guy's a baller. We kind of mentioned him earlier, um, but he had a, a dope uh, touchdown, double clutch touchdown catch. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, I guess the question is, you know, at first he was like this guy who. It wasn't really getting targeted that much, but just had a nose for the end zone. But mm-hmm. as the season progressed, he started to be become a guy that could get you, you know, those four catches per game. Um, do, you, do you foresee that kind of continuing uh, going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the only thing I'm concerned with with him is, you know, the potential for touchdown regression, especially if Sam Howell struggles. But again, I, I liked what I saw out of Howell and limited action this week. He had really good chemistry with Dotson. So, um, some of those concerns were, you know, wiped out after that. So I, I think Dotson's a really talented receiver um, who can get open. And I think he's a good compliment uh, across from Terry McLaurin. So, um, yeah, I think wide receiver 37 might be a tad high, I guess. But, like, the, the talent is certainly there. And if Howell can, you know, have a good year two breakout, um, certainly worth it. But do- there's no question in terms of Dotson's talent. Yeah, I mean, I would say – Similar to Deontay, there's there's a non-zero chance that Dotson like he could overtake Terry. Oh, as, for good, sure. as much as I love Terry, yeah. Like especially when you see these guys that like Dotson scored seven touchdowns on sixty-one targets last year. Like he just had a nose for the end zone, right. and that kind of translates, I think, into like some of his skills that you know could apply all over the field came out uh, yep. in some of those touchdown catches. So yeah, he's a, he's a guy I'm, I'm watching very close and uh, pretty. Pretty bullish on a couple guys in that Packer game. Jaden, I mean, they, they went ham uh, against the <laughs> Bengals, put up a big number. Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave, two rookies who may start right away. 
Uh, what did you see from now? Yeah, Jaden Reed looks like he has the the starting slot role locked up. He had two catches for 20 yards. Um, you know, he's a guy I think they're going to give design rush attempts to. Uh, so, he, you know, he is looking like a really good late round draft pick. Um, that has a really high floor for a late round player. Um, has a ton of upside, too. I think he's going to be really good after the catch. And same thing with Luke Musgrave. Uh, he didn't play that much, uh, but he didn't have to. He got targeted heavily when he was on the field. Uh, both he and Christian Watson um, led the team with three targets when Jordan Love was on the field. Uh, so clearly, you know, Love likes targeting uh, Musgrave. So I think Musgrave, uh, is he's a lock for the week one starting role, and you could still get him outside the top 30. So uh, I was very encouraged with what I saw from him and Jaden Reed. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw as well. I know, you know, uh, Samari Ture has also been kind of getting work at that number three receiver mm-hmm. uh, role. But, you know, I I, I would think that, that Reed can beat him out, although Ture, you know, played pretty decently as well. So that that is something to kind of watch. But I think either way, like what I've been hearing, those are unequivocally the top four. So I don't expect guys like, you know, yeah. Dontavian Wicks and, and Jada Bonds and all those guys to, to break the rotation at least any time uh soon uh anyone oh the last guy we want to yeah. talk about real quick is uh jake ferguson he uh he really solidified i think that he has solidified that that number one tight end job uh for the cowboys yeah for sure because you know luke screwmaker the the rookie the second round rookie been dealing with plantar fasciitis so he he hasn't been able to practice much in camp which mm-hmm. really puts him behind the curve so i think ferguson is training to be the week one starter and potentially take over much of the Dalton Schultz role. Um, yep. And Ferguson was playing on third downs against the Jaguars. Um, so I, I just think he has the clearest path right now to take over that role. Th- this is still a situation that could be murky. Like I think Schoomaker could make some noise later in the season once once he you know gets more playing time, practice time, things like that. But as of now, it looks like Ferguson's the tight end and target out of Dallas. Yeah, he had three targets for three targets, three catches, thirty-eight yards, and just eight routes run, uh, and yep. was looked by far and away the best player on the entire Dallas offense while he yeah. was in the game. So yeah, I, I think yeah. that's really you hit on the the, the 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 key point is that you know I think at first we were kind of trying to figure out you know okay at what point is maybe Schoolmaker going to take over? I think at this point it's more like. Will Ferguson just, you know, play like 75, 80% of the snaps yeah. on Dalton Schultz and then Hendershot keep his same role and Schoonmaker slot into that like number three role like Hendershot was last year. Cause I think right now that's what I'm weeding toward. And especially cause I'm hearing a lot yeah. of, you know, not, not to say that I, I, I put too much weight on it, but, you know, combined with the eye test, um, I, I think it's, you know, I, I'm hearing that, that Ferguson really, you know, he's kind of more of the starter than a guy who's going to be in a committee. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's not like the greatest athlete, but neither was Dalton Schultz. I think this is just more of a system, you know, a good system for tight ends. So uh, I don't see any reason why he couldn't at least somewhat replicate like, I don't know, 80% of Schultz's, uh, you know, production that we saw when he was Dallas. But uh, yeah, right now, like Ferguson had some flashes last year, but he looked a lot better uh, in, in camp and during this limited action. So very encouraged with his week one uh, performance. Yeah, they're both kind of day three picks, you know. So yeah. Schultz was like a fourth round pick, and so fourth was Ferguson. Round. So it's kind of you know yep. similar guys. Not like Schultz was just like far and away better than Ferguson right. or anything like that. Ferguson could just be the next uh, Dalton Schultz. But 
You guys know that football season is finally back, and uh, that means we got a lot of new listeners, a lot of new viewers. So now is a great time to talk about first impressions and whether you're a football team, a football fan, or just a football analyst like Sean and I, you want to make a good first impression. And for me, that means taking care of my skin which I'm doing with the help of our new sponsor, Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab has a skincare routine I can do quickly so I can get back to bedding. It's just two products in the daytime. You got the cleaner and you got the moisturizer. And then at nighttime, we go moisturizer and we go with the the good. It's called little uh, kind of an eye serum uh, to stop with those wrinkles. So uh, really feeling this Caldera Lab skincare routine. And since we're all about the numbers here, I should mention that Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and clinical trials found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for just a few weeks. That means Caldera Lab is even more of a lock than Sean Kerner's player props. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer, their best offer anywhere. Use code FLEX, that's F-L-E-X, at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code FLEX at calderalab.com. Make an unforgettable first impression that leads to those magic words, you look younger. Get 20% off at calderalab.com with code FLEX. Flex. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches all right, now let's get into the guys who not so good, not so good after <laughs> uh, after one week of preseason. And let's let's start with a guy that I've been warning people about. I've been warning people about this dude, <laughs> and I mean, I still think he's great, but I feel like the the signing kind of cements it, and that's Dalvin Cook to the New York Jets. Not great for Brees Hall's ultimate ceiling. Um, what, what, how are you kind of treating this backfield and adjusting with the signing of cook for the New York jets? Yeah, this was just a, a massive blow, uh, to Brees Hall's fancy value it goes without saying this, this could mean that his knee isn't quite ready for the start of the season. You know, they, they might just want to limit him for the entire 2023 season. So they wanted to bring it back in like Dalvin cook, uh, you know, to split carries with. So, uh, you know, I'm, it's also not a great landing spot for Dalvin Cook either, honestly, because I mean, th- I could see this being a true 50-50 split once Brees Hall's, you know, closer to 100%. So I dropped Brees Hall all the way down to like RB24, um, and I have Dalvin around, you know, RB30. But still, we need to find out more about like what's going on, how they plan using these guys. But yeah, it was just a massive blow uh, to Brees Hall's value. Yeah, and let's not forget uh, a Bonaconda looks good too. Oh, so yeah, like, like this is this is a situation where we might see Michael Carter be a healthy scratcher or yeah. not make the team, even though he's a pretty entertaining guy on Hard Knocks, I must say. 
uh, one of my favorite guys to watch so far. Uh, and uh, Zonovan Knight's probably good night for Zonovan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, <sighs> it, it, it changes a lot. I mean, but I will say this, you know, and uh, we know I've got to see how Aaron Rodgers, you know, what's going on with him because he's got a calf injury now. So uh, we'll see if we get more updates. That's kind of going mm-hmm. on as we're uh, recording this. But uh, assuming Rodgers is good to go, you know, he's probably going to have a lot of freedom to make it kind of like the Packers offense. And that probably means one of these guys is going to be the Aaron Jones and one of these guys is going to be the Dylan, like not mm-hmm. stylistically, but you know, in terms of the, how the carry share breaks down. So uh, I, my guess is that cook would be the Aaron Jones and, and lead the backfield. Mm. Um, you know, if, 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 until Brees Hall gets yeah back to a hundred percent and then maybe it could flop, but also Dalvin cook is like a pretty established you know, like he has a reputation as one of the best backs in the league. So it, it's also, I don't know how you just make him the RB2 behind Reese Hall, even if Hall was healthy. So it's a, it's a very interesting situation. But my, yeah, I think a 50 50 split or a little higher with Cook getting being more like yeah. the Aaron Jones is probably what I would, uh, what I would yeah. ultimately project for, for that backfield. So yeah, 24 is probably, uh, I, I'm going to have Reese a little lower, like in the, uh, you know, closer to 30. Um, just because, again, That's I think there's rough. injury risk yeah. and just uncertainty with, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, no, really, are we he's, doing – we can't do two – we can't do two jet backs in the top 30, can we? Like, that's kind of – Of course we can. Of course much, we can. Right? Why not? Yeah, no, why not? It's, it's still it's, the Jets. They're still having O-line issues. Like, it's still <laughs> the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is, is like, 48. Like, I don't – I feel like – I feel like we, we, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves and we're, like, we're just penciling in this offense to, like, make leaps and bound jumps. Like, I think they're going to be better, but – um, I think we should be a little bit conservative at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think Brees Hall's extremely, extremely talented. I, I mean, didn't we have um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the top 30 last year? Um, not that Dillon paid off, but, you know, I, I do like your comp with those two. Um, so I think that yeah. they could – but they're both like, you know, low 20s kind of thing. Like, it, it really sucks for Dalvin, too. I thought Miami would have been a been a great landing spot or just wait until you know a starting running back were to go down where you know a team would be desperate and sign him but um it's you know i downgraded both guys uh, after this news yeah i mean it's yeah it's not the ideal landing spot for for dalvin but i mean we also gotta like we don't know how healthy breeze isn't healthy and it could be very exactly uh so that that, that's something that's kind of the jury's still out but uh, as of now yeah the big news breeze down and don't touch Carter, don't touch Knight, uh, and uh, Abanaconda just probably Monitor. slots in as the, uh, yeah, like just he probably should win that third mm-hmm. back job, but I mean, maybe he won't. Who knows? Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, he's another guy. Stock goes down with the Patriots signing Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it seems like Elliott probably a good bet for some a role similar to what Damian Harris had. Yeah. He averaged nine, about nine and a half carries. Last year, uh, thoughts on this backfield now with Zeke and Tuck. Yeah, so I, I had actually mentioned in my tiers, uh, I was just urging caution drafting Stevenson at like RB11 or wherever he was going before this. Once the Pats started bringing in, you know, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, I, I thought, you know, the, the writing's on the wall that they want to add a vet to, to limit Stevenson's workload. And Belichick, we've always known, he likes having committees, so... Um, this is very concerning for Stevenson. Um, you know, Zeke, he's not going to like take over the starting job. I think what you said hits a nail on the head. I think he'll just sort of be that Damian Harris role where, you know, he could take some goal line work. Um, you know, Stevenson only scored two touchdowns 
on 12 rush attempts inside the five last year. I always say that's either a sign that they're due for positive touchdown regression or a sign that they're going to lose goal line duties. So I, I'm afraid it could be the latter. You know, Zeke is obviously a good short yardage back. So that that could uh, eat into Stevenson's touchdown upside. Plus, they probably want to limit his passing down work. I've, I've seen them mention that. So Zeke's, you know, good pass blocking back. He could take away some of the third down work. So this is just uh, a massive blow for Stevenson. Like I said, last year, it was just the perfect storm for him. He had everything go his way. Obviously, he's a talented back. But with Zeke there, it's going to be much, much tougher for him to, to you know, produce high-end RB2 value where he's being drafted right now. So I moved him down quite a bit. Right now, I have him like RB19, RB20 around there. Again, we're waiting to see, you know, if we get any more news on how they plan on using Zeke. But it was definitely a massive blow for Stevenson's value. Yeah, and, you know, I think... Like Stevenson, the thing about it is it's relative though, because I could see Stevenson still getting a similar overall workload to last year. You know, he ended up averaging about 12 carries, 12 and a half carries That's... and about 56% of the routes. Um, I could still see that, you know, Stevenson getting, you know, 11, 10 to 13 carries a game, Zeke getting eight to 10. And I, I think Stevenson with Zeke yeah. here, I do think Stevenson will, that will free Stevenson up to be used more in the past game. I think it's, you know, Montgomery was a guy that was, you know, he might've factored in before this. Now he's probably out, you know, Harris strong, all those other guys, they're probably out. It's probably just Stevenson on passing downs uh, and, you know, maybe in kind of a 50, 50 split otherwise. Um, but also Zeke just might not really be very good. So there's always a chance Stevenson still, <laughs> yeah. he has that little hidden upside of Zeke just kind of sucking <laughs> that is a possibility. I think so. if you drafted yeah. Stevenson at RB11, you're kind of pissed right now. Uh, <laughs> so once I guess once Stevenson does have his ADP go closer to RB20, that's when I would invest. Uh, just I haven't been taking him at all the past few weeks, but I agree. I think this could be a, a, a potential buy low type of situation um, because I do think Stevenson will still be a lead back, but it, it definitely – Sucks to see that it's Zeke being the backup and not like Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris because I think that would have been a lock. You know, Stevenson probably would have been a low end RB one if that were the case. Um, so either way, it does ding him quite a bit. But see, this is you know just going back to a guy like Madison. This is why I still like a guy like Madison. Uh, I'm still a bullish on him because we're sitting here talking about guys like Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall in a committee, Ramondre Stevenson in a committee. Meanwhile, Al- Alexander Madison is just sitting here on pace to you know play like 80% of the snaps right. every single week. <laughs> so like until that changes, I'm going to be pretty high on, on Madison because it's just not many of those situations right. left uh, in the National Football League. And uh, let's see, I want to get to. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about him now. We'll close. We'll close with this guy because um, I think this is the the one that's the most relevant. We only got a few minutes left. Greg Dulcich. Mm. Uh, it looks like we might have got Albert Ode again already <laughs> because you know, lo and behold, the Broncos start the the preseason game. They're struggling on offense, so they're leaving their starters in, and the their starters are playing pretty much almost till the end of the second quarter, and. Adam Troutman just keeps getting more and more targets and he's just in there as like the true starting tight end. And Dulcich is only coming in on pass downs. 
which is not quite ideal because he's still going to miss out on some of those early down like play actions. And, you know, he was a guy that had an 80 percent uh, route run per game, route participation rate last year. And if you're not starting games, you're not playing on early downs. No way you, you get anywhere close to 80, even if you get targeted a lot when you're in there. So I'm um, just curious as to your thoughts on Dulcich. Do you think, you know, maybe he still has a chance to overtake Troutman again, or do you think this is kind of what, what it is? Yeah, no, this is obviously a not ideal development for Dulcich. Um, I don't know if we've been Albert Ode quite yet. I don't know if he'll be inactive most weeks. Um, but it, it does look like Troutman. Oh yeah, will... yeah, yeah, not like that. But I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know what you mean though. I I, I share the sentiment. Um, it does look like Troutman's yeah. going to be like the starter, but mainly because of his blocking, which um, again is not great news for Greg Dulcich. But I think Dulcich still has the talent, the upside. Maybe not to be drafting tight end fourteen right now, but it would shock me if still at some point during the season he pops up as being a low end tight end one. So. I'm not fully off him yet, but yeah, I'm definitely not investing as much at tight end 14. I think in that range, it's still Tyler Higby for me is sticking out like a sore thumb, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, you know, what transpires from this, but it was not a great start for Dulcet Troopers like myself. Yeah, I think I jinxed it because I think we were talking about Dulcich and I was like, I like him, but the only reason I'm not going higher is because I feel like Troutman might start and f- yeah. fucking shit, we did he ever. <laughs> well, that's a, I, I, it's I my fault. The, I, I take no, full responsibility no, for I, jinxing I it. I said the same thing. I said the only concern is it's a new coaching staff where they might yeah. use these guys in different ways. So I, I knew that was a possibility. I didn't know it would be Adam Troutman of all people, but it does make sense. He's from the Sean Payton scheme, so... Um, not too shocked, but again, this this could change week to week, and hopefully, hopefully, Dulcich does, you know, pick up where he left off last year. It's it's not looking good, but hopefully, that happens at some point. Hey, this just makes a guy like Sam Laporta more exactly. valuable. Dalton Kincaid, Tyler, Tyler Higby, That's what uh, I'm some saying. of those guys, you know. Um, because yeah, uh, even a guy like Irv Smith, yeah. you know, even though you know, I, I don't expect him to stay completely healthy. I think I'd rather have him as an unquestioned yeah. starter in that. Cincinnati offense than a guy like Dosich who could get anywhere from like 30 to 60% of the, the exactly. snaps each week. So yeah, it was a uh, quite an eventful, quite an eventful <laughs> uh, first week of the preseason. A lot to talk about here. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next episode with our best ball strategy guide for 2023. So be sure to check for that. If you're a big best ball player. And if you haven't played best ball, check it out too. Cause it's really fun. It's my favorite way to, to play, especially when you have, you know, the more and more leagues you want to get into, you don't have to manage anything. So always a, a great look to, uh, to get some best ball teams uh, in there, but uh, that's going to do it for us here at the fantasy flex. You can find Sean on X at the underscore odds maker and me at Chris Raybon. We're at those same handles on a free award-winning action network app and be sure to check out our 2023 fantasy rankings on actionnetwork.com until next time let's get this money action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER